I think of it this way. You know, the mentors in my life are found right in the Word of God. I can have the opportunity every morning to have coffee with Nehemiah, to have breakfast with Job, and to talk and, 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 and just sit down in my private time and allow those men and women, the Ruth and Naomi's and the Joseph's and the Noah's and the Moses and the Abraham's and the Isaac's and, and Paul and the disciples. I have the opportunity for God's word to pour them in and for them to mentor me in my life. Because the fact of the matter is if you read about their lives and you allow their race to speak and motivate you, they've been through all the same things we go through. They've been discouraged. Anybody here ever been discouraged? They have failed. Anybody here ever failed? They've messed up. They've done things like commit adultery. They've done things like murder. They've lied. They've cheated. They, they've hidden things from God. They have their own insecurities. And yet they're the ones that have broke through the finish line. And now they're in the stands and they're cheering for us. Our verse that we go to every week, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, tells us that therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off all the things that hinder us. And over the last few weeks, we've been dealing with some of those things. Throw off the insecurities. Throw off the fear. Throw off the failures. Throw off the fra fragileness of our life and all the mistakes that we've made. Throw them off. Everything that hinders us from running the race that God has marked out for us. And so I wanted you to become a little more familiar with the Bible characters. And so week number one, if I could just paraphrase for just a moment, week number one, and we kind of got the idea from the 1992 Olympics where Derek Redmond's dad comes out of the stands and helps his son finish the race. I love that last scene on the video this morning, the young lady trying so hard. Wow to finish her race, but she had this handicap. She had a, she had a trial. How many can relate to that in your, in your own ambitions, in your own destiny? Man, I'm trying so hard, and it just feels like I'm not getting there. And all of us need that voice. All of us need somebody to pick us up, to encourage us every once in a while. Well, I want new generations to be that kind of atmosphere that no matter how you came in on Sunday morning, you might have fallen down, you might have been beat up, you may be down on the mat, but every Sunday morning, I want this to be the place where those of us, where it's just the voice of the, the, the word of God, the atmosphere of the saints that just reminds you, come on, that where you're at is not where you have to stay. And your best days are never behind you. They're always ahead of you. Aren't you glad for that today? In week number one, we had Noah come out of the stands and run a little ways with us. And his message to us was that one man can make a difference. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that sometimes. Because every once in a while, he, even me, and I'm sure all of us deal with this whole idea, does my life really matter? I mean, I, I have this career, and I punch a time clock, and I make some money, and I pay some bills. But does my life, does it really, really matter at all? Noah helps remind us that our life does matter. That God didn't create us to be average. God didn't create us just to get by. But he has a purpose for each and every one of us. Week number two, we got Joseph who comes out of the stands and he reminds us, never, never, never give up. Specifically, don't give up on your dreams, but just plain and simple, don't give up. We live in a world today where we are bombarded with a message that says, just give up, live average, just, you know, and, and man, Joseph comes out of the stands just in time and says, you know what, it might not have started the way you want it, but keep on going. 
It might be taking longer than you expected, but keep on going. When your dreams get destroyed, they don't end up the way you think. Just dream again and keep on going. It may take some time, but your best days are still yet ahead. Last week, we heard from a lady by the name of Rebecca, or Rachel. And Rachel is the, uh, excuse me, yeah, Rebecca. She is the, she is the uh, daughter-in-law of Abraham. And I love what she says to us. And it doesn't sound like something you would hear. I mean, it might not sound as motivational as Rocky or Muhammad Ali, but she says, give generously to others. And man, one of the things I'm learning at this stage in my life, that if you live your whole life with your hands up, you're going to receive on your birthday and Christmas. But if you live your life being generous to others, there is nothing more motivational in my race than to help others along their race. And when you live with your hands down, giving generously to others, you will literally receive every day of the year because when you give, you receive. And how many know that's bigger than just money? How many know that, right? Well, today, I couldn't, you know, I bypassed some of the greats that we won't have time for. David, what an amazing guy. Abraham, what another amazing one. Daniel, I mean, we just can't do them all. But I couldn't bypass it without hearing from Moses. So Moses today, he comes out of the stands, and I think if Moses came out of the stands and ran a little bit of the race with us today, I think, and it's in your notes, I believe this is what Moses would say. I think Moses would say, abandon safe and embrace faith. I think that's what he would say. Because some of us have fallen down enough times and had dreams crushed and that we start, we don't realize it, but the older we get, the less flexible we are. How I many know that's true in more ways than one? <laughs> right? But the older we get, the more experiences we go through, we have a tendency to build walls up around us to protect ourselves from having any of the hurts that we've previously experienced, and we begin to live life real safe. Okay, I got a 401k, I got a house and a, and a minivan and a dog named Spot, and I'm just going to live my little life and get by, not bother anybody, not let anybody bother me. And Moses says, no, that's not what you were created for. You weren't created to pay the bills. You were created for something much greater than that. And it will never happen if you live safe and don't live by faith. The Bible tells us that he rewards those who live by faith. And of course, I'm talking to a bunch of people I know today that I'm probably preaching to the choir because so many of you stepped out in faith to help us plant this church. But it's a good reminder for all of us, whether we're planting a church or we're living life, let's not play safe, let's live by faith. Now think of Moses' life. Moses, uh, they were killing the firstborn of every Hebrew child. So Moses, you know the story, put him in the basket and sent him down the Nile. And the, and the, the uh, daughter of Pharaoh found him there in the Nile. She raised him as his own. So Pharaoh grew up in a royal family with the blessings that come with royalty, all of that only to discover later in life that he was really a Hebrew. And we find him wrestling with this idea, am I going to live safe in the royal family, or am I going to step out of that and live in faith? And then later we see him wrestling with the same thing. Forty years later, he's in the desert, and he's living life, and he's met this man by the name of Jethro. He's working for him. He marries his daughter, and then all of a sudden, you probably know the scene. He comes across God at a burning bush, and he's at another 
time in his life where he has to decide, am I going to live safe or am I going to live by faith? Let's pick the story up right there and uh, let's go into our scripture. I'm going to give you quite a bit of scripture here today. It should be in your notes. Exodus chapter number three, verse number one through eight and verse number 10. If you've ever seen, if you've got kids, you've seen the Prince of Egypt or you've seen the Ten Commandments or some of you are watching the Bible right now. And we know this famous story. How I many know, know the story of Moses and the burning bush? You've seen that, all right? Some don't, but, but so for those that don't, let me just kind of read. This is what the scripture tells us. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, how many of that would get your attention, right? I mean, right? Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw uh, that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. You know that voice, if you've seen the Ten Commandments, Moses. You know, just, I love the voice of God on TV, Moses. You know, it's kind of one of those. And, and so it goes on, verse number five, and says, uh, uh, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse seven, the Lord said, I have indeed heard the misery of my people in Egypt. Hey, can I just take a little parenthesis right here and just say this? It's been 400 years, but God wanted to, it might have been a long time for you, but can I just say God has heard what you're going through? He's heard your prayers, and though it might take a long time, he still knows. He's setting everything in order, and what you can't see right now, he's doing something in the invisible realm to bring that deliverance into your life. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. A couple more verses. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I imagine Moses going, oh, man, this is awesome. God, go, go just destroy them. Man, this is going to be so cool. You know, kind of one of those. Watch this. And, and he's, he's going to give them a spacious land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, I'm going to bring them out, and I'm just going to bless them. And Moses is like, right on God, or whatever they said back then, right? You know, far out, groovy, whatever it is. He said something like, this is going to be incredible. And then God lowers the boom on him. Check this out. Verse number 10 says this. So now go. <laughs> How do you like that? I'm going to do something amazing. And, no, and Moses is like, yeah. And then God says, but you're the one. <laughs> oh, wait a minute here. I'm kind of busy. Huh? God's going to build a great church in the town of Canton. Yeah! But God wants to use you. Oh. Well, I didn't mean to shout amen that loud. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring. Now, this, I, I would love to just do a whole study right here. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the thing we're intimidated by. I'm sending you to face your intimidations. I'm sending you to face the thing that you think is bigger than you. I mean, think about how, I mean, 
Moses is like bad to the bone. He's going to walk up into a country, walk up into the president's office and say, hey, I'm here to tell you to let these people go. I mean, that's a bad somebody. How many of you know that, right? Okay. And, and to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Okay, so you got the story there. That's kind of the, the, the gist of it. Let's dive into it. And, and, and as Moses comes out of the stands, let's find some things that if, if Moses come out of the stands to encourage us, what would he say to us? And, and, and I think, and, and I wrote these messages a lot from my own perspective, because I've been the Derek Redfin on the mat. Anybody else ever fallen down, felt, felt like you fell? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to talk to you guys. The rest of you guys that didn't raise your hand, glory to Jesus for you. Okay, so anyway, let's just talk to us that know what it is to get your knees skinned up, okay? And, and so Moses comes along, and I think here's some things he would say to me. Number one, and it's in your notes, um, and, and he says this, basically he says, remember, don't play it safe, live by faith. And then he starts talking about safe. Number one, safe will keep you trapped in the past. Ken, look, safe will keep you trapped in your past. I think he would say it a lot of different ways, but let me say it a couple ways. If you use the same measuring stick that measured your past to measure your future, then you will never go any further than you have already gone in your life. And we've got to break out of the past because where you're at really is not where you have to stay. And, and your past does not identify you. Your past is not your identity. Come on, would somebody hear that today? You are bigger and greater and have more going than might be what's being manifested in your life right now. You say, well, you don't understand. I've tried some things and I've failed and I've messed up. And now I just want to play it safe and, and keep myself protected from all of those things. And I've been in ministry long enough now to see people that have gone through devastating things in their past. I had a dear friend that was in my youth group, and, and his mom and dad got a, a divorce, and it was nasty, terrible. It hurt him emotionally, and he was 18 years old. And that was like, you know, 23 years ago. And every once in a while, I come across this guy, and this guy is just trapped in, in adult clothes, in an adult body, with just broken emotions from 20-something years ago. He's stuck in the past. He's afraid to build relationships. He's afraid to get out of his little box because he's afraid of being hurt. And while I can understand that, we cannot waste our life playing it safe. Moses saying, get out there and live by faith. Because the only security there is, is in the cemetery. I mean, no, that's true, right? In other words, man, we're going to try to play it safe, but you're going to dwindle your life away trying to protect and keep safe when there's this adventurous journey that God has for each and every one of us. I will tell you, I almost fell into the same trap when it came to planting this church. I, I was afraid. I, I really was. And it had to do with a lot of things from my past. But I, I, I have to admit to you, the man of faith was afraid. And God gave me a verse. And God showed me in Isaiah 43, verse number 18. Here's what he gave me. Forget the former things. That's for somebody here today. Let me read it again. Forget the former things. Forget about it. Just forget the former things. 
Because if all you do is say, well, I tried that before, and, and you give some negative report, you're using the same measuring stick that measured your past to measure your future. And if you do that, you'll never go beyond what your past was. You'll just keep living in the wilderness, doing circles and doing circles and doing circles. When God has a Canaan for you, has some milk and honey for you, has a great place and a great destiny for you. Come on now. Watch this. He says, do not dwell on the past. You know what that means? It means laying in bed at night and you can't get to sleep. Why? Because you keep rehearsing the past. And you've carried into your next marriage what happened in your last marriage. And you carry into your next job what happened on your last job. And you carry into your next church what happened in your last church. Come on now. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Everybody say new thing. New say it again. New, new thing. thing. That's for you. Maybe God just brought you to church today to remind you where you're at is not where you have to stay. I'm doing a new thing inside of you. Now, and by the way, a new thing isn't always warm and fuzzy. Sometimes a new thing is a little scary. Right? Watch this. Now it springs up. Now. Right now it's springing up. Right now. Do you not perceive it? Am I making a way in the wilderness? In, in other words, I'm making a way in areas that you thought were impossible. I'm making a way. Streams in the wasteland. And if you play it safe, you'll be trapped in the past. Number two, the second thing that I believe that uh, Moses says to us is he says, safe will get you satisfied with today. So Moses deals with the past. But then he comes up and says, also, safe will make you satisfied with today. And I don't mean satisfied in the positive sense of the word. I'm talking about satisfied as in the complacent sense of the word. So, man, if you play it safe, you're just going to be happy doing your little life, paying your bills, keeping your lawn mowed, keeping your car clean. But isn't there more to life than the chores? Come on, what are we doing for eternal value? He says, if you play it safe, man, you're going to be satisfied with today. And, uh, uh, you know, here's the fact. Safe living is easy. You know, safe living doesn't get you out there. It doesn't require anything. Now, let me help you understand this because there is a difference between being content and being complacent. So, so we should be content no matter where we're at in life, but we shouldn't allow that to make us complacent. In the areas of our life. The word content, it, it basically means when we have the peace of mind or, or just a, a rhythm of life. It's the stride of life. You see, content knows, knows that there are, how many know this, there's ebbs and flows. The sun goes up, the sun comes down. Well, not really, but you understand the principle, right? And, and so there's ebbs and flows. There's mountains and there's valleys. There's not good days and bad days. They're all days filled with God's grace. Come on, are you guys with me on that? And so content just means I have a peace. It doesn't mean that I never go through anything. Sometimes we have a tendency to look across the fence and see somebody else's marriage and somebody else's walk and somebody else's whatever it is and say, man, I could be like that too if I never had any problems. I promise you, if they're where they're at and they're having success somewhere in their life, I promise, promise you they've gone through some battles. But they've learned, like Paul, to be content no matter what the situation they're in. They have peace. They have this ease of mind. God's in control. He's large and in charge. He loves me. I'm his child. I can be content with that. Now, complacent is a little bit different. 
Complacent says that, that there's, no, there's no goal, there's no dream, there's no pressing toward a better tomorrow. Better tomorrows don't just come because you showed up to church. Better tomorrows come because you heard some information and by action turned it into revelation and you're applying those principles in life. Are you, is everybody hearing that today? See, let me, let me demonstrate it this way. I'm very content as a pastor, which took me a lot of years to be able to get to this place. I'm very content where we are as a church. I'm loving life. I, I mean, this is the, the, the smallest group of people that I've probably pastored in 20 years, but I am as content as can be. I, I'm loving life. We're in a cafeteria. Pastor, how can you be so content? I mean, come on. We pull up. Everything we own fits in a trailer. How can you be content with that? I'm very content. I love where God has us. I'm filled with his peace. I know I'm right in stride. I know I am right smack in the middle of what God has called me to do. And I am fired up and thrilled. I love that we're a portable church. I love it because it forces me to do meetings in, in, in the marketplace. It forces me into small groups at your homes and each other's homes. It, it keeps us from worshiping a place and a building. I love being a portable church. And, and when the opportunity comes for us not, I'm not going to let my contentedness slip into complacency. In other words, while I'm content where I'm at right now, I'm still dreaming about tomorrow and pushing toward tomorrow. But it's not selfish ambition. Jesus is building his church, and I'm just along for the ride. And I'm going to apply the principles and the wisdom, and I'm going to push toward, and like Paul said, press toward those things. And one day, we're going to be content in every step, but one day, we'll be a church of multi-sites. And there will be people in this church that will rise up to be campus pastors and campus worship leaders and leaders of other. And one day, we'll have our own building and we'll have our own offices. But along the way, I'm not going to waste my today waiting for a tomorrow and have what's called destination disease. I'm going to enjoy the journey while we're here. Come on, say amen. Right? And you know why? Because where we're at is not where we have to stay. Aren't you glad for that today? You see, Moses could have stayed in Pharaoh's house, but he said, I'm not playing safe. I'm going to live by faith. Then he could have stayed in Jethro's house and said, man, I got a good job and a good wife. I'm not going to live by. He said, I'm going to not live safe. I'm going to live by faith. And that's what he encourages us to do. See, watch this. Uh, Exodus chapter number two, verse number 11. Just a little bit right here. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. And he saw the, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And here's what happened. A holy discontent rose up inside him. I call it, because I don't know, I don't have like super spiritual language. I call it the Popeye. <coughs> How many are old enough to remember who Popeye is? Right? You remember Popeye's famous line? Come on, I've had it all I can stand, I can't stand no more, right? I mean, you guys are way too spiritual for me, I'm telling you. I call it a holy discontent. You see, the very thing that bothers you in life is where your anointing is. It's where you're gifted. If you walk into a place and see it's unorganized and it drives you crazy, that's because you have the gift of helps and organization on your life. And you shouldn't leave a place because of that. You should dump, jump in full-fledged because God brought you there to help in that. 
Over the years, I've been in ministry now over 25 years, and I've seen people leave churches and say, well, I'm leaving church because they don't have, and they always name something they're passionate about. Otherwise, they wouldn't notice it's missing. And so they leave, and let's just use, we got a good men's ministry here, so I'll just use that one, Jeff. I'm leaving the church because they don't have a good men's ministry. Well, the reason you notice that is because you're passionate about it. And maybe you shouldn't leave because of that. Maybe God brought you there because of that. So that you won't play it safe and you'll live by faith. The third thing that I think Moses says, see, he's dealt with yesterday, our past. He's dealt with today. And now he has to deal with our tomorrows. And I think Moses would say this. I think Moses would say safe will make you afraid of tomorrow. If you read on in that scripture, Exodus chapter number 2, verse number 12 and 13, it goes on to say some things. He killed, and the next day, you know, there's some things that happen. But, but, but here's basically what happened. He's saying, God, I've already tried, and I failed. You know, I tried to do something. You, you know, I, I saw, I've seen the injustice, so I went out there and took it in my own hands. And, you know, you know the story. He killed an Egyptian, and, man, now he's wanted for murder. He's like, man, I tried to help, and this is what happens? How many of you have tried to take things in your own hands before and it becomes a disaster? <laughs> Moses is basically saying, look, Ken, if you play it safe, man, it will rob you of your tomorrows. You'll become afraid of tomorrow. You'll be afraid of the future. You won't think your best days are ahead. You'll be looking at the glory days of yesterday. It's a dangerous place when all you talk about is the good old days. See, I believe the good old days are happening right now. Because there's going to be a day I'm going to look back and say, remember when we were in the cafeteria? Remember that day we had to set up every week? Crazy time. And we'll be sitting around talking and laughing about it. I put my false teeth in and get my walker out. Remember when we were calling the bag? You know? That's the good old days. You're living the good old days right now is what Moses is saying. <laughs> Many of us have tried like Moses and we failed well, I tried in marriage, and it didn't work. And now I don't trust any men. Now I don't trust any women. I tried the church thing, and those people in the church, a bunch of hypocrites are so mean, I'll never go to church again. You know, I tried investments, and I tried start my own business, and, and now I've been hurt, and I'm going to live safe. I'm never going to church. I'm never getting involved in a relationship. I'll never invest money again. I'll never let the entrepreneurial spirit out of me again, and I'm not going to give, and I'm not going to have friends, and forget church, and I don't need God, and I'm not going to get involved in ministry, and guess what? Moses is saying, guess what? I did that. That's why I can speak. The next verse Exodus chapter number 4, verse number 13. God's trying to say, I want you to do something. Watch what Moses says. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. This great leader, Moses. I'm telling you, if God came to me in a burning bush and said, Ken. I wouldn't be saying, hey, could you call up on somebody else? It just, you know, I'd be, yes, God. You know, don't let that fire get on me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he could burn me up. And Moses just looks right at God and said, no, pick somebody else. I'm not doing that. I'm going to live safe, and it's going to steal the victories of my tomorrows. And uh, I got to thinking about, I wonder how many Christians do the same thing. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will help. Somebody else will open their home for a small group. Somebody else will go to growth track. Somebody else will set up chairs. Somebody else will give them the offerings. Somebody else will give their time. 
I don't mean this in a mean spirit at all, so please take it in a very uh, a pastoral spirit. But would you just ask yourself the question? If this is your first day here, you can exclude yourself. But, but could I just ask you to, what would the church look like if everybody did what you're doing? What, what, what would it look like? Maybe it looked great. Man, I'm here early. I leave late. I'm in the growth track. I set up. I'm part of the dream team. I give my time, my tithe, my talent. Man, the church would be thriving. But what would the church look like? Now, let me just say this, and I don't mean this mean. God doesn't need us to build his church. But he includes us and gives us the privilege and the opportunity. And from the what might be considered the smallest job to what might be considered the biggest job, they're all part of growing kingdom of God. And I count it a privilege to be co-laborers together with Christ. And isn't it great? Moses finally changed his mind. And, uh, and, 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 and he says, look, can Satan misses opportunities. Satan will keep you from making a difference. And, and, and when you've fallen down, you have a tendency to play it safe. But get up. Here comes Moses says, get up. And he cheers us on. Now, let me end He's dealt with yesterday, and he's dealt with today, and he's dealt with tomorrow. Satan will rob all three of them from us. Now watch this. As Moses is making the final little laugh that he's going to run with us, I think he'd give us some departing words. Here they are in your notes, number one. I think Moses would grab us and say, look here. Throw away your excuses and use what you got. I, and it's in your notes, and I'm running out of time. I won't read it. But Exodus chapter number 4 records the whole story of Moses saying, but I can't do it. How many of you know the story? I speak with a stutter. I'm not eloquent of speech. You know, that whole kind of thing. And uh, Moses doubted. <laughs> Moses doubted his abilities and his resources. Now, I know you've never done that, but I have. God called me to come to Michigan to come back to Egypt in a sense. And I doubted my ability, and I doubted the resources. Isn't it somehow sometimes we put God, our money, in front of God? God, I don't have ability. God, I don't have any money. God, I don't have. God, I stutter, basically, is what we're saying. And uh, safe will keep you from the things that God has for you. And I'm telling you that we've got to understand, and Moses has the right to say it. He said, throw away your excuses. Quit all your excuses. Well, I would get involved in a small group, but I would help in the kingdom, but throw, today is the day to throw them away. Because read the rest of Moses' life. All he had was a stick and a stutter. Here's a guy that had a stutter and he changed the world with a st stutter. He walked up into the courts of Pharaoh and changed the world. Maybe it's, we ought to take our stick and our stutter and do what God has called us to do. Because you're perfectly gifted. Your shortcomings are a blessing too. Because it makes you count on God. Throw away your excuses is what Moses would say to us. And use what you've got. Samson, take a donkey jawbone and defeat thousands of David, take your slingshot out of your pocket, pick up a few rocks, and let's conquer this giant. Noah, take your bag of nails and your hammer, and let's change the world. Just the little gifts that we all have. 
Throw away your excuses. Number two, I think the second thing that he would say to us as he's rounding the final lap, he would say, God hasn't brought you this far to stop now. I mean, Ken, here's what happened. My mom put me in a basket. I floated down the Nile with crocodiles all around. Would you believe of all people that rescued me, it was the daughter of Pharaoh. I grew up in royalty, and all of these incredible things happened. I survived that whole, you know, that whole desert thing out there. You know, I survived all of that. And, and God hasn't brought me this far to stop now. And God didn't send his only begotten son to hang on a cross, die for our sins, heal our bodies, save our souls for us to just be abandoned now. Your best days are yet ahead. He didn't bring you this far to stop now. And it's the conclusion I had to come to. I was afraid to plant a church. And God began to help me reflect over all the things that we had done together and that he had accomplished in my life. And I finally had to come to the place and hear the voice of Moses saying, Look at all you've been through. I have not brought you this far to stop now. And if the devil had any power, he would have stopped me when I was down. He would have stopped me when I was living safe. He would have stopped me when I was discouraged. But the lie is, and the truth is, he doesn't have any power. And so get up, quit living safe, and start living by faith. Are you with me today on that one? Come on. I think, um, and there's... There, there are some things in your notes for that. Let me do the last two quickly. Number three, he would say this. Don't let a failure or a stumble define you. Moses messed up. I mean, this guy didn't like tell a lie. He killed somebody. That's a major mess up. Huh? And uh, but Moses refused to be defined by his mess up. Some of us have gotten trapped living safe because somewhere along the way we fell down. And when we fell down, even though we've gotten back up, we've defined ourselves as the guy or the girl that stumbled, that messed up, that failed. Can I tell you something? The devil has plagued me with that thought. But I've come to the conclusion that I would rather go down swinging for the grand slam than to stand there and never attempt to do anything. Because God doesn't reward how far the ball went. He rewards the faithfulness of his servants. Amen? Amen. Moses would say, you're not defined by that. Where you're at is not where you have to stay. And uh, the list goes on on that one. Let me give you the last one and I'm all done today. Right before Moses is seated, I think he would say this. When you live by faith, you will impact other people's lives. You see, if you live safe, you're not going to help anybody. You're probably not even helping yourself. But if you live by faith, wow, you, you will impact others' lives. And is that one in your notes, or did I have that later? It is in your notes? Okay. Um, you will live by faith. Let me give you a verse, Hebrews 11:28. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch, of the firstborn, would not touch the firstborn of Israel. In other words, because of Moses' faith, they put the blood on the doorpost, and all the children of God, the firstborns, were saved. You talk about influencing others? I mean, no, that's a pretty major influence. Because he chose to live by faith. Let me say this to you. There is something that you are called to do, 
that God has already put on your heart. Maybe you've been ignoring it. Maybe you haven't recognized it. But there is something that God's put on your heart to do. That if you'll do it, it will change somebody else's destiny. Say, but Ken, all I do is set up chairs on Sunday morning. I know. But you know what? In the year and a half, not even that we've been in existence, we've already received stories of somebody that was going to commit suicide if they came to this church. And I can't go into stories, but people that have been delivered, people that have been saved, marriages that were in divorce, said, we're going to give it one more shot. We're going to go to marriage retreat. We're going to go to marriage small group. We're going to give it one more shot. And guess what? You say, all I did was set up a chair? Yeah, but those people sat in that chair. You watched their kids in the nursery. You ministered to their kids. You handed them a cup of coffee. You gave them a free book. You turned on the sound. You worshiped the Lord. You applauded God. Whatever it is, there's something God's calling you to do that if you'll do it, it'll change the destiny of somebody else. I was just probably somewhere around seven years old. And my mom tells the story of her testimony. Uh, my dad was an outlaw biker. My mom was a barmaid. She worked in the bars. They were divorced. And uh, on Fridays, one of her friends that had recently given her heart to the Lord started picking me up and bringing me to Friday night, family night at their church. I spent all day Saturday in a good, healthy home environment and then went to church with them on Sunday. And it was in that process that I gave my life to the Lord. But for a long time, they would bring me and my sister, and they were a blended family. The, the lady, she had two of her own kids, and the guy that she had just married who got saved, he had two of his own kids, and then me and my sister. And so they just lived in a little house, went to a little storefront church, but every weekend they brought me into their house, and they showered me with God's love. It was the most stable home environment that I can ever remember having. And I remember to this day that Rich and Juanita was their names. Rich would read us a Bible story every night. He'd break out his guitar and sing little funny songs that we had learned in children's church. He would pray with us. He tells the story that I would always get up and ask him to read more of the Bible to me. And I think I just had a hunger for the word of God. And when it was time for me to be a father, I didn't know how. But I had this little memory of every single night. Rich reads me Bible stories. And that's what I knew to do. So I drew from that because somebody made a difference and ran the race and refused to play it safe and let a bunch of rowdy kids into their home. And in that I found what home life is. Today, my children will have the memory of every single night until they got in their late teen years. We read the Word of God together and it's made us what we are today. Today, Rich and Juanita's kids, none of them are serving God. One just died a year ago, OD'd on drugs. One has been just some troubles. And a couple of them are, I, I shouldn't say aren't serving God, but a couple of them have a, a church relationship. But I tell Rich whenever I talk to him, I say, you know what? God has allowed me to speak on great platforms and thousands of people have come to the Lord. <coughs> never happened, you wouldn't live to save me. What would happen if you refused to live safe and started to live by faith? I think amazing things beyond our imagination would happen. How many agree with that? Amen. Amen. Will you receive that word today? Amen.